All right, let's do it. Stock up, stock down. 30 to 24, the final score. <clears throat> Overtime, the Texans, <clears throat> excuse me, the Texans um, lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. John, you have the honors. Who's your first stock up for today? Titus Howard. Mm. Uh, with Justin McRae, ordinarily would be the left guard when Kenyon Green was out. And maybe George Warhop should, the offensive line coach, should figure in. They moved Titus from right tackle to left guard, and they put Charlie Heck at right tackle. They're better with Titus at left guard and Heck at right tackle than they are with uh, Justin McRae at left guard because he's awful. And so they went up against a good pass rushing defensive line. Chris Jones, one of the top defensive tackles in the NFL, 11 sacks. If Jeff Driscoll hadn't been brain dead and run out of bounds instead of just tossed the ball out of bounds, they'd have given up no sacks for the third game in a row. But Frank Clark got credit for one because Driscoll had that brain dead play. And But the offensive line didn't give one up. The run blocking was much better than I thought it would be. And so I think Titus Howard played a big role in that. Yeah, unselfish, I would say. You know, we know he doesn't like playing left guard. He shouted from the rooftops when they were going to make him the full-time right tackle this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, the offensive line did a, did a good job today. My first one is Tremont Smith. This is two weeks in a row now, John, where he's made some big game-changing plays. Of course, he had both the interceptions last week against the Cowboys. He had uh, the fumble, the forced fumble today that they had to review, and the referees almost botched that one. But Lovey was a good challenge by Lovey Smith. Uh, the fumble by Juju Smith-Schuster that Tremont Smith, Tremont Smith didn't even know he had forced a fumble. I, I was listening to him talk to John Harris in the post game. He was Johnny's interview down in the locker room. And he, he just thought he'd made a big hit. He didn't realize he turned around. He saw Desmond King with the football. I think it was Desmond King. I, I forget who picked it up. Um, but, uh, uh, but Tremont Smith has, has really shown out the last couple of weeks. They're playing without their top two corners right now with Derek Stingley on, IR and with um, Steven Nelson missing today's game. I think Desmond King and Tremont Smith have done a nice job for this team at corner the last couple of weeks. I think he has too. He's become a big play guy. They got to keep big play guys on the field. Yeah, absolutely. So stock up for Tremont Smith for me, John. Good. Who's who's your next one? Uh, Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman had been on the practice squad all year. He goes into this game as the third team running back behind Dario Gumbawale and Rex Burkhead. When he finally gets the ball, he rips off one good run after another. He ended up with uh, 11 carries, 51 yards. That's a 4.6 average. He had a long gain of 11, second on the team to Davis Mills, 17-yard touchdown run. And he's not great. He's not even real good. But the fact is, when you've got a a Gumbawale, and you got Burkhead, you got nothing. And so as it was, they ended up with 94 yards rushing. That included uh, 21 by Mills and 8 by Driscoll. But it also got them not to give the ball to Rex Burkhead. Yes. And so I thought Royce Freeman with his 4.6-yard average uh, against a really good defense and a good run defense, I thought that he deserves some kudos. Yeah, John, it just goes to show you, what has this team been doing outside of Damian Pierce all season long? I mean, Royce Freeman's sitting on the practice squad, and he comes up, he gets 50 yards on 11 carries, or 56 yards, whatever it is, uh, on on 11 carries. I forget, I mean, it's 50-some-odd yards. 51 I, yards on 11 carries. That was 51 yards on 11 carries. I mean, he's like, so, 
it's so obvious he's a better player than Rex Burkhead. I just he's quicker. He's it, much quicker. He's, yeah, he, he can break tackles, and he's been sitting around collecting cobwebs all season. I think this coaching staff, especially on offense, have done a really poor job on selecting players on game days. Yes, I I would agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Um, all right, last one for stock up, John. Mine is Christian Harris, the rookie linebacker who led the team in tackles oh, yeah. today. 14 tackles for Christian Harris. He was all over the place. Three TFLs for Christian Harris. I think he may have had a pass defended in there. To know he had a QB hit in there as well. Um, there was one play in this game early on, a third down play, where I think they flipped it out to Jarek McKinnon in the flat on like a third and six, something like that. And Christian Harris just – he showed that SEC speed on that play. I think you know the play I'm talking about where he just closed in on him, used the sideline as another defender – and was able to was able to get the defense off the field, and I'm watching that play. I'm going, that's why you draft Christian Harris. Like that's that play right there. Kamu Gruzier Hill does not make that play right there. Kamu Gruzier Hill is probably washed onto the other sideline by whatever blocking is going on on that play. Um, Christian Harris, we had him on the post game show too, John here in studio. He's a great kid. Um, he's, you know, I asked him about, (laughs) they've probably lost more games in, in December so far than he lost his whole time at Alabama. So I was asking, um, how, how tough that adaptation is for him that, you know, he's not used to losing. Yeah. I thought he had a great answer. He said, you know, Nick Saban always had a 24 hour rule where, you know, win or lose, you had 24 hours to digest whatever the emotion was. And then you were on to the next. And he said, that's just what he's used this season. Um, so I thought it was a really good answer. Really smart kid. I can see why Lovey and Nick hugged each other after they got him in the third round of the draft this past year. Very, very optimistic about Christian Harris. The linebacker ran a four-four-four at the combine from Alabama, and you wonder what was he doing available in the third round. One of the things he'll learn to do is harness his speed. Sometimes he'll get to a guy so quick he'll miss a tackle Mm -hmm. and uh, not run by him, but get up to, and he can't rebalance. But that's something he'll get with experience. But, man, that was a really good game by him today. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. All right, let's do some stock down, John. Who's your first stock down for this game? Jeff Driscoll, for a reason I mentioned earlier, that he was dumb and ran out of bounds to take the only sack when you're going towards the sideline, all you got to do is toss the ball ahead of you. And also he, that he wasn't as effective as he'd been against the Cowboys. He carried four times, eight yards. That's a two yard average. And he had a nine yard game. And on the first and goal, at the, it started at the nine and everything was moving really well. And Pep Hamilton puts him in, he runs, he loses a yard. It kind of took away the momentum. And uh, they ended up kicking a field goal to tie it. But uh, he also, when throwing the ball, he was two of four for eight yards. So he just wasn't productive. I'm thinking, you know what, if you got to put him in on short yardage every once in a while, but give me Royce Freeman. Over Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, Drizzy Cat's dead. The Drizzy, I think they figured out the Drizzy Cat, John. The Drizzy Cat is officially dead. It's just that Pep Hamilton saw the cat on the floor and thought, that cat looks like he's still alive. That cat, cats can bounce if you throw them off of ledges. I'm sure that cat's just fine. Nope. Drizzy Cat is gone. He is dead. And it's very, very sad. Um, it was fun while it lasted, I'll say, the Jeff Driscoll era. Um, my first stock down is for Lovey Smith and not. For the Texans losing this game, 
Um, but I didn't like one of the decisions that he made in this game that I thought he got grilled kind of about it in the post game. 50 uh, yard line. Fourth and one midfield. You're up by a touchdown. You're one eleven and one. You're playing against one of the best teams, if not the best team in football. Go for it on fourth and one. I would absolutely. not have cared. You absolutely go for it there. And I know you have trouble running in short yardage. I know the play before that was a short yardage play that you ran the drizzy cat on. Literally ran the drizzy cat like direct snap to Driscoll, and he just ran outside. Um, you got to go for it there. Like you, you, you cannot play this game like you're also ten and three, and it's a close to the vest kind of thing. You got to, you got to put them out there. You got to lay them on the glass, man. And I just. It was just one of those things, John, when I'm watching, I watch Lovey and I listen to Lovey in the press conference afterwards. And he's like, man, we're right where we want to be. We just want to be in this game and we got a chance to win it in overtime. I can't wait to have a coach that just doesn't aspire to have a chance to do something. You know what I mean? Like, I can't wait to have a leader of this team that takes the reins. It takes the bull by the horn and, and dictates terms to other teams. I know he doesn't have the roster to do that right now, but man, fake it. Like, there's so little that's inspiring about this regime right now. Uh, one of the things that um, he said, he said, eventually we're going to get over the hump. And that was the last quote I used in my column for uh, Gallery Sports. And then I said, problem is, time they get over the hump, he and his staff are going to be gone. Oh, yeah. And he said he'd do that again every time. That's kind of old school where you, you're trying to win one game at a time, not looking at the big picture. But I agree with you 100%. What's your next stock down, John? I feel bad doing this with Davis Mills since he had two touchdowns, passes, and one rushing. But in overtime, you got to protect the ball. Inexcusable. He was not holding the ball the right way. Frank Clark reached out and should never have been able to knock that ball loose. He was almost like carrying a loaf of bread with two hands, not tucking it. And what's he doing running anyway? He got a little carried away after that 17-yard touchdown run, which he showed, you know, I'm a better runner than people think. And I felt bad. You know, he threw for only 121 yards, 12-24. But uh, that fumble, not that they would have won the game, but that's the last thing he can do, and it set up the winning touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, it was – yeah, it was. I mean, it's John. It's the third, at least the third that I can think of this year game where he's done something in the fourth quarter or late in the game or in overtime that's essentially lost the game for the Texans. You know, the week one against the Colts, the strip sack fumble, which opened the gateway to their comeback in that game. Uh, week three, the the Roquan Smith interception in week three. The Eagles game too. I mean, he had a bad interception to start the second half in that game. Like he's just. It's not just turning the ball over. He turns it over at the worst possible times. Um, and then this one, obviously, was this lo- that literally lost the game for them. I know McKinnon, you know, ran the touchdown in on the next play. The Chiefs still had to do some, you know, they still had to do at least one thing, which was score a touchdown, but just inexcusable by Davis Mills. Um, my last one, our last stock down, it's actually somebody who didn't play in the game today, um, but just Derek Stingley Jr., uh, you know, gets put on injured reserve over the weekend. He's He's been dealing with the, quote, mild ham, hamstring for the last four games. And then finally the team decides to shut him down and put him on injured reserve. And this isn't me saying Derek Stingley Jr. stocked down because he's got an attitude problem or because he's faking it or anything like that. It's Derek Stingley the asset. You know, not Derek Stingley the person. Derek Stingley the asset. Got to be stocked down right now, John. He The reason why... People had questions about drafting him third overall was, was were health issues. And now he 
I don't know what was going on with his hamstring for four weeks to where they couldn't put him on IR four weeks ago. Like, did what? And all of a sudden, did it get worse? You know, or did they just say, you know what, let's just shut him down? Um, I feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions with Stingley and their handling of him. Um, so I can't help but feel, uh, I can't help but feel nervous that they may have drafted a lemon with the third overall pick. When a guy's hurt in college and then he is hurt as a rookie in the NFL, you wonder, is this going to be a persistent problem where he's going to be in and out of the lineup with injuries? Now, he may never get hurt again. He may become a perennial pro bowler. But right now, he's so far behind guys like Sauce Gardner and Tariq Willen and other good defensive backs because of that hamstring injury. And the only thing I can think of is they just thought it wasn't going to get him better. Because usually if a hamstring gets worse, you know, and so what? He's got the whole off season, but he needs that playing time. No doubt. It's like Kenyon Green needs more playing time. It's, they're lucky that Christian Harris and Jalen Petrie are playing as well as they are to make this rookie class look good. They've actually got, I mean, John, if you the balance sheet on the rookies, like I'm excited about more of them than I'm disappointed in, you know, between, between Petrie, Christian Harris, Damian Pierce, um, Catoriano is a touchdown machine. He is. Catoriano's doing some nice things. You know, he's, he, he's, I think he's, you know, I, I'm, I say he's a tight end. They have the most confidence in, like, obviously they have confidence in Jordan Akins too, at least in, at least catching the ball. Although he had a nice block today on a Royce Freeman run to seal the edge, Jordan Akins. So uh, maybe a little mini stock up on him off to the side. Um, but those are four rookies right there, you know, and they, they got some, you know, Hairston and Heinish and, Hanson are all getting on the field as undrafted guys running around and doing some things like overall, like if you just put your hand over the first round and say, look at this, look at these guys from second. And you know, they're going to get John Mechie back at some point that the team, that's not the team's fault that he got leukemia. Um, if you just put your hand on top of the first round and say, don't look at this, but just look at the rest of this class. I'll let you look at the first round in just a second. I'd say, man, this is pretty good. Like they're hitting on a lot of these guys. They, 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 they hit it in the second, third and fourth rounds. They hit, at the very least, solid doubles in the gap in those rounds. And whatever round they drafted Kitoriano in, I think he's a good player. And they have a few undrafted contributors. And then you move your hand and go, okay, now look at the first round. You go, ugh, oh, God. A hamstring injury for the third overall pick who was injury-prone in college. A, a guard with the 15th overall pick who's having who, who's having trouble, who's struggling against good players. Um, this is a big offseason for those players for Nick Casario, who drafted those players, for the confidence level that the city has in Nick in the front office to execute this draft, which is, to me, more important than the previous draft because you're probably going to take a quarterback. A lot of questions going into the offseason. That's what's going to make it so much fun compared to this regular season. No doubt. No doubt.